When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like Sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk about how bad Blackpool are as well. <laughs> Okay, uh, welcome to the West London Sport QPR podcast on the back of a much-needed Rangers victory against Watford on Saturday. Victories at home have been as rare as rocking horse manure this season, but Gareth Ainsworth's first as QPR manager ended a run of nine without a win at Loftus Road, dating back to mid-October and the first three points in beating Preston at Deepdale the week before Christmas. Uh, Ainsworth's side make the long trip to Blackpool on Tuesday in another example of EFL decision-makers taking fans into consideration when they draw out their season schedules. Um, Blackpool deservedly won 1-0 when the sides last met back in August, but like Rangers, they find themselves at the wrong end of the table and six points away from safety and just one league win since October. However, in their last match at home, Mick McCarthy's men held free-scoring runaway leaders Burnley to a 0-0 draw, so it won't be an easy game for Rangers at all. Uh, as always, I'm joined by ex-QBR striker and captain Kevin Gallon. And it's just like the old days today, to welcome back Dan Bennett, now of Hater's sports news agency following his Mick. No, call me Michael. Now my eyes <laughs> deal like departure from West London Sport for a set of tracksuits and a bag of balls. Dan, of course, is our resident Blackpool fan and here to fill us in on the Rangers opponents tomorrow. Sorry, uh, Ian, Kevin, can you call me Dan? Can you call me Daniel now, please? Call you Daniel. <laughs> um, I'm joking. <laughs> but, uh, but Kevin, you were there on Saturday, uh, unlike myself, who was covering the Leicester Chelsea game. Uh, a fine victory, and by the sounds of it, you know, a great game. Yeah, deserved, deserved win. Good crowd, good atmosphere. Um, yeah, I think the tempo of the of the of QPR performance was a lot better than what I've seen lately. Uh, went listened to us again at the the West London pods to get the free at the back. Uh, they've listened to us again, Ian, and and it suited and it suited us. Rob Dickey looked the different player as well. Coming out with the ball, that extra man, that extra cover, uh, suited QPR. And we sort of just, you know, work rate was good and we put the ball in behind and we chased it and we won tackles and Tim scored a really good goal and that sort of set us up for a deserved victory. And with, with the three at the back, I mean, Sam Phil played on, on on the left of the three. I mean, he's a big loss in the middle of the park, but I mean, it seems like 
obviously that a clean sheet and a win, it made a big difference having him there. Yeah, definitely. We we spoke about it last week. Well, I did. As I said the main the main um, part of football, QPR against Watford was to keep a clean sheet, and uh, because we hadn't for a while. I mean, was it four games before that? Three goals in each game, something really sort of poor stat. But yes, field came in, looked solid. They just looked a lot, just looked a lot better, just a lot more solid. Didn't really give um, no space for the Watford players, strikers um, to get into and. Yeah, I think that will be the case for the. I'd say to the, for the rest of the season, if if um, people are, um, if like field has to go back into that um, position, Johansson might have to step into the midfield again. But it worked out a treat and thoroughly deserved three points. And the wing backs, I mean, they wouldn't be your first choice wing backs. Aaron Drew and Ozzy Kakai playing on the on the left. I mean, how did they do? They done well. Very good performances. That's probably the best I've seen Kakai play for QPR. He he actually had a couple of shots. So he came in on his right, his favourite right foot from the left, and he was. I think it suited the Drew and Kakai being further up the pitch and more attacking than um, than defending. So no, they're not, they're not, they ain't the, the the first choice. But you know they'll be playing. I assume they'll be playing tomorrow against uh, Blackpool because one they played well and two don't like change a winning team. And now get a bit of confidence and get playing and get, and get some more wins under our belts. And obviously, Lyndon Dykes back as well. He, again, we have said him before numerous times, he's probably the most discussed player on this podcast. But in what, what he doesn't often deliver in goals, he, he, you know, but the team do a bit better with him him in the side. Yeah, definitely. He won headers, he, he battled, he caused, um, he was a handful for the defenders and, and Chris Martin as well. You know, the ball went up, it stuck, or they flicked it on and they chased it down. And then it caused a lot of um, hassle for the centre-halves. And and it's been missing, you know, that, uh, you know, we were a little bit more direct. I'd seen Senny Dieng wasn't rolling the ball out as often as he usually does. There was more kicking it longer. And we were winning that first ball and keeping the ball in their half. And Lina Dykes, you know, he's done well considering his, that, that illness he's had. And we didn't know when he was coming back. So he, he, he played a good part and hopefully he'll be getting stronger for the rest of the season. OK, Dan. Now, Blackpool, as I mentioned before, won this the fixture 1-0 back in mm. back in August. But it, it's been a tough season, really, for them. And, I mean, losing Neil Critchley at the start of the season, who, you know, was so important to what they had achieved before that. Um, the pod opposite to what he did at QPR. But, um, I mean, what what's happened down there? Yeah, just a bit. I mean, like I say, it's funny how QPR and Blackpool seasons have sort of become linked in this strange way because of Neil Critchley. I mean, in very different ways. Obviously, QPR sacking Critchley was something that probably had to happen, whereas Blackpool losing Neil Critchley in the summer has basically put us into the situation that we're in now, I think. Um, I mean, something had to change. Obviously, we had Michael Appleton in charge before Mick McCarthy was in charge now. And I think we were heading for, for League One under Appleton. I'm not, you know, it was a, a terrible appointment. And I would say in hindsight, but I think people knew at the time because, you know, the fans didn't want him because he managed just about 10 years ago and stayed, stuck around for about two months and then went to uh, to Blackburn where I think he lasted about the same and, and got sacked. So the fans didn't want him. Um, and it's, it started out, you know, okay under him, but it quickly went down and, you know, they've obviously decided to get Mick McCarthy in, who's one of those stereotypical 
rescue job managers, isn't he? Like Huddersfield have done with Neil Warnock to try and turn things around. But unfortunately, it's just not had the desired effect. I think Ian, you touched on it. The only kind of one slight glimmer of hope that Blackpool fans still have is the home form has actually been okay under McCarthy, but the away form is, I mean, terrible. I think we've lost every away game under McCarthy and we lost 2-0 at Bristol City on Saturday. So, you know, it's we're, we're quite hard to beat at home. That's the only kind of, like I said, slight glimmer of hope that Blackpool fans still have. But unfortunately, I think we all know it's said in one way at the moment and that's that's League One. Okay, well, I mean, this this fixture last year was a one-all draw, but I mean, Blackpool were the better side for most of it, and you know, there's a real raucous atmosphere up there. Is that still the case for home mm-hmm. games where it's, you know, it's a, a small compact ground, but the, the fans really get behind the team? Has that been the case this season, despite the results not being as good? Yeah, I think that helps. Like, obviously, when the results aren't as good, there's always going to be that knock-on effect on the atmosphere, isn't it? Where it's probably not quite as good as it was last season when we did it pretty well, finished 16th, stayed up very comfortably. So it's probably not quite as what it was, but certainly even when we've been losing, the atmosphere has still been very good. And I think that's a massive thing, you know, reason for behind our home form as well is, you know, I think it's three draws and a win off the top of my head under McCarthy, which isn't, you know, amazing, but it's a lot better than our away form, that's for sure. So I think that does help the home form, having that backing from the fans as well. But yeah, it'd be an interesting one tomorrow. I mean, when we were talking in October last year and I was still doing the pod, you know, I didn't think that I'd be coming on and talking about QPR Blackpool being a bit of a relegation six-pointer, but here we are, you know. What I would say is I think QPR beating Watford on Saturday is a massive result. I mean, you're not by any means safe yet, but I think, what is the gap, like 10 points, I think? Yeah, 10 points. Um, 10 points, yeah. So, with what, eight, is it eight games left, I think, now? 10, 10 points in eight games. I th- I, you know, 10, I yeah. Mean, I, I, I mean, think it'd be all right. That win on Saturday is, is so crucial for QPR, but not only for the points, massive, but for the crowd and the atmosphere and the confidence going going on for the rest of the season. That that was a much needed win, and you know it would have to be a, a, an absolute a disastrous turn. Yeah, of exactly. QPR, but to, you know Blackpool to turn that ten points. Sorry, Dan. But <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right. You get a win like QPR did on Saturday, hopefully not tomorrow, but um, you get a win and everything changes. The atmosphere and you're looking looking forward. So, yeah, a bit interesting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you think if Blackpool beat QPR tomorrow, then it, you know, you you start to worry again because obviously we'd be gaining points on QPR. So, I think it's important just not to lose the game tomorrow for QPR. You know, if you go, if you beat Watford and then you go and lose at Blackpool, it's sort of like, you're taking a step back again and the pressure's back on. So I think it's a massive game, really. I think, you know, if QPR could get a draw there, I think, given the situation, you know, it's just about staying up really this season and then looking towards the summer, isn't it? And it'll be interesting to see what happens with QPR in the summer because there's going to be a lot of change, I think, and it's going to be obviously difficult to do that with the financial situation. So, yeah, it's just about getting, just, you know, getting towards that. It's normally about 50 points, isn't it? Just over... 50 points, I think, was the absolutely guarantee safety. I mean, you probably won't even need that looking at the league table this season. So it's just about getting a couple more, a few more points on the board, I think, for QPR. And hopefully they can uh, hopefully they can do that. Obviously, I want QPR and Blackpool to stay up. So it would be nice if that could happen. I think QPR are a lot more likely, though. <laughs> OK. Kev, it feels like a big sort of next three games for QPR. It's obviously Blackpool and then it's Birmingham at home and then Wigan away. On paper, you think they all... They're all teams in the kind of in and around where QBR are at the bottom of the table. It's a real chance for you know Gareth to kind of 
you know, consider that feel-good factor from from Saturday. But I mean, or is there a danger? I mean, I mean, when Ian Holloway returned last time, the second time, and it beat Norwich in his first game, and it was a similar atmosphere, and everyone was buzzing, and they lost the next six. I mean, without putting a damper on it, I mean, now it's. Do you see? Do you see flickering signs of life that things? I mean, obviously players are going to come back soon, but do you see flickering signs of life that the, the team is heading in the right direction from what happened on Saturday? Well, yeah, because I mean, we had to break that that, that rot. You know, you can't one win in twenty, and you you know you're looking over your shoulders, and the result against Rotherham last week was was poor, and, and that sort of three points and. You know, it gives the whole place the buzz. They'll be going into training today or yesterday for warm down, all buzzing because they've won a game. And um, and they'll be going into this game against Blackpool thinking, well, don't lose this game. Blackpool can't get three points on us and get back to seven and then you're sort of half looking over your shoulders. Because the next three games are all, all like relegation battles, really. But they're all, for me, winnable games to get points on the board for QPR. I think... If we can nick maybe five points out of the next three games, that would be a good return. Mm. Take I take a draw tomorrow at Blackpool because you know we don't want Blackpool there behind us gaining three points on us. You don't lose that game, and you sort of you go into the Birmingham game. You're thinking, well, you can win this as, as well. So I would take I'll take a point tomorrow night. I think that would be a great result. Yeah, I think if yeah. you go there with the mindset of just not losing the game. I think you could get a draw because I mean we are crap. Like we're we're not good, <laughs> especially attacking going forward, and we we cannot score goals. You know we don't create chances, and then when we do get the odd chance, we miss it. So you know I think you look at the home games and it's they're all the most scoring. <laughs> guarantee is a guarantee. Three points, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I mean we'll make our predictions at the end, but yeah, well, know. I was a change mine for a draw now. <laughs> I've got to be honest, but yeah, it's. Yeah, but you, Dan, you, 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 Dan, you do have Josh Bowler back at Blackpool. He's someone that mm. you know is a very good player and also does like to score against QBR. That must give you some hope. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, it would have been nice if we just kept him for the whole season because we might not be in, in the situation that we're in. That's how important he was last season. But you know, when you get an offer as big as the ones, the one that Nottingham Forest, you know, paid for him. Uh, on the last day of the transfer window, it's and he's got a year left on his deal. It's just financial madness, really, to turn that down. So, even though it's put us in a help contribute to put us in the tricky spot that we're in now, I think they had to accept it. But it was a, I mean, I don't know how if you know what happened with Bowler, but he went to obviously he went to Forest, then they loaned him out to Olympiacos, who the Forest owner also owns, um, and he was got played a couple of games under Carlos Corbran, who's now at uh, West Brom. And then he got sacked and the new manager come in and just didn't fancy Bowler at all. So he was just completely out of the squad. But because he'd already played for Blackpool, <laughs> he could have, the only club he could go back to because he'd already played for two clubs in the year was was Blackpool. So it was a choice of either staying in lovely Greece and, you know, having a nice time walking yeah. around Athens where I went recently. It's very nice. Or going back to Blackpool and playing some football. And that's what Blackpool he went wins. for. So. Blackpool wins every yeah. time. <laughs> Blackpool you, you so can't beat the far. You can't beat the far coast in February and March, can you? Well, uh, clearly, that's what he felt. So yeah, yeah. Now, he's, uh, he's. I think he scored. I can't remember what Huddersfield. I think he scored against. So, and I, I went to the FA Cup game against Southampton, and you could clearly see he wasn't at his best, and he was still sort of playing catch up. But he had a couple of moments where he got on the ball and was doing what he was doing last year, taking people on, and 
in creating chances. So, yeah, it does give it a bit of hope. I mean, he's been in a bit in and out of the side as well um, since he came back, cause just because I don't, I don't think he's completely up to scratch because he didn't play any football really in Olympiacos. So, yeah, I mean, that's another slight glimmer of hope, but my hope is very quickly dwindling as the weeks go by, unfortunately. That's just the type of season it's been. Hmm. Kevin, do you think just... As you say, though, Rangers were going to win eventually. It had to happen. Um, but do you think that the fact that it was against someone like Watford, who's got players like you know Ismail Assar and João Pedro, you know, really kind of high-end players that are probably too good for the championship, do you think that gives any extra kudos to the win? I think, well, no. what? Yeah, probably. But I was, I was very disappointed in Watford. They were poor on the day. I know we played... I think we just really on Saturday outworked them and really put it on them, got tight and put tackles in and put the ball in behind and chased it down. And yes, they've got Pedro and Saar. They are good players. They are probably premiership players, but they didn't really get a kick on Saturday because of, of the way we played and put it right on top of them. So very good win considering that it is Watford. They have premiership players. They have just got relegated. So, yeah, that makes it a little bit more sweeter. And, and let's be fair, they're sort of a local rival as well. They're not that far away. So, um, very good win. Also, I think um, it might sound a bit mad, but I think if you're QPR, Watford is kind of the team you want to play in this situation. I know, they've, like you said, Ian, they've got very good players. But, I mean, the amount of instability at that club, obviously Chris mm. Wilder's first game on the weekend, wasn't it? And I don't know, it's just something at, at Watford never seems quite right, you know, with the way it's being run and, well, the, the change of manager. I just feel like that that kind of plays into QPR. Probably played into QPR's hands a bit and did him a favour, even though they've got very good players. It's it's a weird club, isn't it? Well, you can't keep changing your manager. I mean, this is our third manager, isn't it? Already. Yeah, I mean, look how well Rob Edwards is doing at Luton as well. There's more stability there at all, so yeah. it probably was the right time for QPR to play Watford on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no expecting you know expecting because of the run of form QPR been on. No one was really expecting, but. You know, like I said, I thought the crowd were very good on Saturday. You know, it was like pretty much a packed house, and they got right behind the right, right behind the team, and that does help. Definitely help when you're sort of in the low confidence and haven't won games for a while. The crowd were really good on Saturday, really good. Yeah, I mean, I've still obviously been keeping an eye on QPR from a distance and what's been going on, and like it's just been nice and refreshing to see like on Twitter like the videos of Ainsworth after the game just someone who quite clearly really wants to be at QPR and really wants to be QPR manager. It's quite refreshing given, you know, what happened earlier in the season with Beal coming in and then he already had his eyes on the next thing. Um, so for Ainsworth to come in and, you know, be as happy as he was, obviously, you know, you could see how much that meant to him. And it seems, you know, genuine and authentic. I think that's massive. And I mean, I know hindsight's a wonderful thing. I, I was very surprised given how well Critchley did at Blackpool, just how wrong it went at QPR. I mean, I know he was walking into a tough situation with the injuries and, you know, the team in bad form, but I didn't think it would go as badly as it went. But looking back now, you think maybe Ainsworth should have got the job after Beal left. That Maybe that would have been the time to appoint and then maybe you might have got a few more wins on the board and you might not be quite where you are now. But like I said, that's all in hindsight. And I think he was always going to get the job at some point, wasn't he, Ainsworth? And I think the kind of circumstances aligned for him to, to get it now. So, I mean, you played for him with him, didn't you, Kev? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was it like? I'm sure you discussed this before, but I'm kind of interested to know. Like, was he, did he always like think he could be quite a good manager with the way he was in the changes? He's a bit of character, isn't he? 
it's just it, what Gareth has got lots of um, enthusiasm, and you know, when we was at the training ground when he used to play, you, you could hear him come in every day, <laughs> you know, and you need you need characters like that at, at the tra- in the training pitch and in the changing rooms. You need big characters and positivity and enthusiasm because it rubs off on everyone. And fair play, he's got his first win, deserved. The crowd were right behind him. And now we're going to play your mob, Blackpool, who you've absolutely said are rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> we can't lose, can we? So I shouldn't be saying that. But no, it's a tough game because Mick, I know Mick McCarthy and I played against his teams as well. And I know it ain't going great, but you did say your home form's okay. But they'll be thinking we need to, this is a, a must-win game for Blackpool. And they'll be yeah. right. It will be a tough game. No, it will. It will. Like you know, we we don't we don't concede many goals at home. That's the thing. Even though we don't create a lot, and that's kind of what you expect from a Mick McCarthy team, isn't it? To to dig in and and make things difficult. And that, and we will do that. I'm sure we will. But you know, unfortunately, I don't think we can nil nil our way to championship safety. I think we're going to need a few wins for that to happen. So you know, I think a draw might be a, a decent result for for QPR, but not really for Blackpool. Yeah, yeah, I like Mick McCarthy. He's um. He's been around forever hasn't he but um very very early in my journalism career he was manager of the Republic of Ireland and I was working at the Irish Post and uh used to be able to ring Mick at home he just had his home number he's how long ago it was you <laughs> the phone and dial the Ireland team manager at home and not quite that he, easy now is it he, he was he always claimed he never read the paper and then he'd ring you up and moan about something you'd written in the paper so um <laughs> <laughs> but always always in a light-hearted way so I like Mick and you know it's good to see him yeah Mick's a solid bloke back, back in football um yeah, I mean, a lot of the fans are like criticising him and like team selection stuff. But it's like the situation he come into. I don't think it's, it's really his fault, to be honest. He's, I mean, the team's just the players just aren't very good. I don't think it's for want, lack of trying or lack of effort. I think lack of quality really more than anything. And I suppose he's probably looked at it and think the best way to try and keep this team up is just to keep games as tight as possible and hopefully win a few chances that we get. But you know, it's just not panned hand out that way so far but yeah I mean I've not had much obviously I'd seen you know Mick McCarthy when he was Wolves manager and things like that but I was covering the game we played at Southampton in the FA Cup and after the game he was so funny someone asked him about one of the Southampton guys asked him about you know oh, he had a nice sort of moment this was when Nathan Jones was still in charge he had a nice moment with Nathan Jones outside you know he was very friendly and I suppose you can sort of sympathize with him you know you're in a difficult situation so is he and he said well, yeah, but that's not because why well, I had a nice moment with him. He said it's not because we're both in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> he said it's because I spent. I think they. I think he knew him from from a while back when he was like an academy coach, and he said, uh, you know, I've spent my whole life fucking barking at him. It's not because we're both in the shit. <laughs> that's quite refreshing to be honest to hear a manager talk like that because you don't really get that anymore, do you? It's yeah, you know, very old school in in that sense. I think. Okay, Kev, what's the? I mean, you win. There's more than one way to skin a cat, as we always know in football. But was there a noticeable difference in the style on Saturday? Yeah. Or do you think it was just a needs-must kind of way to play? Or can we expect that for a long-term to be more? I would I would say long-term, we will, QPR will go a bit more direct. But I am, I've said this before. You know, we played, um, when I played for Undine Holloway, we, we were very quite direct. I mean, you had sometimes you had to play that way. I mean, no disrespect for Danny Shooter and Clark Carlisle, but they're not ball playing centre halves, so you're not going to roll it out. You're going to get the ball up up the up the pitch. 
which QPR did, I thought, a lot more, a lot quicker and earlier on Saturday. And it worked. Get the ball. Because one thing, Lyndon Dyke can challenge and can win a flick on. Chris Martin can challenge, get his body in the way, hold it up. And then you need runners off. You need runners off off them too. And, and they chase things down. And I think long term, there will be a, a slightly change uh, in style. And the QPR will go a little bit more direct. And Kes, do you think... Because you look at... I mean, one of the most direct teams in the championship are Luton. I mean, they just put the ball in constantly all the time. Nothing wrong with that. They're, were they third or fourth in the, in the playoffs? Millwall were very direct and they're in the top mm. six or seven. So there is different ways to skin a cat. But then you need certain players to play that way. And that doesn't really suit your Ilias Chair and your, your Chris Willock. So it's going to be interesting, like Dan said, about an interesting summer. What's going to happen with signings and maybe selling players and rebuilding. But I would say there'll be a shift in the way QPR play a little bit more direct. I just think like you play the best way or the thing, the way that you think will most likely get results, don't you? That's, I mean, that's why I was, I, I wrote when Critchley got the job that I'd be very surprised if he tried to use the four four two system that he had at Blackpool. And then, he, you know, I did it at QPR, which is really strange. I think Sam Field was playing out on the right, wasn't he? And now he's playing in the back three. It's like really a strange decision to, to try and do that. And I think, you know, you, you play, um, you just play, you play to your strengths, don't you? I mean, I saw when Ainsworth, or just before he got the job, when it was kind of known that he was he was going to be confirmed as a new QPR manager, you know, I see a few tweets saying, you know, oh, I'm a bit concerned about the style. And But it's like, with the situation you're in, do you know what I mean? Like, who cares about the style? you just got to get results on the board. And I mean, I, I don't, it seems like the expectation now, Kev, I don't know if you agree, and, and Ian is like, you're kind of expected to come in and play passing out from the back football. That's kind of like, what I mean, especially at a club like QPR, I suppose they want to see that steam as like good football. But I mean, for me personally, I actually don't mind seeing more direct football. I mean, Brentford, I think the kind of outside perception of them and the way they play is very different to the way they actually do. If you actually go and watch them, they're really direct, long throws, oh. corners into the box, swive and Tony, and it and it works like brilliantly. And I think you know, if you've got Lyndon Dykes, like say, I suppose Chris Willock and Elias Chair, when they come back, it'll be interesting to see how that works because there's a bit of a a different dynamic there, but. I don't. I, I don't mind watching the direct football either. I don't know what you think, guys, but but one, I actually quite enjoy it. One thing I'm not a great fan of is watching the two centre halves pass it to each other. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then the manager will say, "Look how good our possession stats are." <laughs> mm. You know, get the ball a little bit earlier. Never, never. If I mean, if you're a striker and there's no crosses coming in the box, you know, you're, you're having words with the wingers. Put the ball in the box. Yeah. You don't cross it. So there will be, I will say, a, a shift in style in, in the future, definitely. Just to well, say, I'm I'm just, bring... sorry, go on, Ian. I'm just um, from for me, yeah. You, you play a way to win games to keep you out of trouble, but I mean, I'm skeptical. I've got to be honest. Um, I still remember sitting there pulling my hair out when Ian Alloy was manager last time out. You know, seeing like the ball taken from kick off and launched out to the wing for Pavel show out to nod it, nod it down. And then you'd lose possession. You'd come back and, you know, <laughs> yeah, the that's the other side of it that you don't want in it. You know, and then the refusal, it should drive me absolutely berserk when, you know, the goalkeeper wouldn't roll the ball short out to, to fullbacks, the ball from the back and just launched it long and it would come back. It just, for me, it's not, it's, it, it's primitive football. Uh, I hope we're not going back to that. You know, I've, 
You know, yeah, I enjoyed the football under Mark Warburton with SA and Chair and that. I mean, yeah, you win, and it's, it, I appreciate this more than one way to skin a cat. And you know, we want to see good football. We, we don't be getting beat every week, but I, I do hope it's just not going to be kind of caveman football. We're going to be watching for, you know, the next sort of, you know, however long Gareth's in charge. That's my own opinion, and um, but. You know, I hope there is a semblance of kind of some sort of progressive style of football because, you know, I enjoy seeing him in his chair and Chris Willett play. For me, they're proper footballers. That's what I want to go and see. I don't want to see. Mm. I don't want to watch Luton play every week. I don't want to watch Millwall play every week. Then you know, there's there's a, there's still you still got to play a stylish way at QPR. And I'm sorry, um, you know. So the jury's very much a football connoisseur. Yeah, when, when, <laughs> when we're looking at Luton and Millwall and saying like we should be like them, that's no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not saying we should be like them. I said, but you, what you said, there's different ways to skin a cat, and QPR had to put it on top of Watford on Saturday because that was probably the the best way to, of beating them. Hmm. We find out football, and they might have, that might result might not have worked. So you know, you have to compete. And I know I watched the Rotherham game. It's like, come on, let's. Hmm. Run, compete, tackle, chase. Mm. All the basics of football and QPR did them basics very well on Saturday and won the game. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. And I'm not saying that, you know, you should never hit a long pass or it shouldn't be, you know, you you you, you play as Dan said to the strength of your side and what you think will win you the game. But, you know, there has been a sort of style of play at QPR that I've enjoyed watching the last sort of three, mm. three and a half years um, that was very different to what we saw previously um so I, I hope we keep some of that but also a bit more pragmatism as well because i mean ultimately you want to win football matches so it doesn't really matter how you do it but at the same time i still think there's a you know there should be a certain way of playing yeah but, I mean, you, you go the other way and you look at if i bring it back to blackpool i mean under michael appleton under critchley we were very functional and and direct and we got the ball up to gary medine and because that that you know we we come up from league one you know, we're a small club, one of the smallest budgets in the league, and that's the best way to play to get results, and it worked. I mean, under Appleton, you've got Chris Maxwell rolling the ball out to Kenny Dougal on the edge of the box, his own box from a goal kick, and he's giving it away. And I'm just like, they're going to give me a heart attack if they keep doing this. It's just absolute madness. It was like, you know, Kenny Dougal, ball-winning midfielder, you know, solid defensive player. He's, he's bet, you know, his, his strengths are winning the ball back and, and laying it off to the more creative players and you're giving it to him on the edge of his own box to try and play it up. It's mm. like, what are we doing? It's like that. I mean, that's madness when, when managers come in and they try and implement a style that they, that they think is, you know, the way football should be played and the way you can get results, but you need the players to do it. Do you know what I mean? And, and like, I suppose I just looked at the QPR team on paper on paper there. If you said that was the QPR team that was going to be playing at this stage of the season. I mean, if I showed you that at the start of the year, you'd be pretty worried, yeah. I think. Chris Martin, young Aaron Drew, who's done pretty well by all accounts, I gather. You know, Kakai playing at, what is he on the left, Kev? On, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you'd be pretty worried, wouldn't you, if that was the team? But obviously Ainsworth has gone back to a style which he thinks can get the well, best result. But well, I think good. when Willick and Chair come back, it'll be interesting to see what happens because you do need to get them on the ball and I agree and get them playing because that's the way you win games, I think, with QPR at the moment. I think, I think, Considering the run that Cooper are on, they had to go a little bit more direct. Yeah. And not play risk football, like you say, rolling it out and then getting caught. 
in your own box and stuff. Not that QPR are doing it, but what will happen? You've got to do a bit of both. You've got to roll it out. Sometimes it's got to go long. Sometimes the ball's got to go in the box. Yeah, because you don't want to be predictable, do you? You've got to do a bit of both. But I um, needs must, and we, we, QPR were desperate for three points and got them playing that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I mean, just, just on the, the flip side of what, what I said before, I mean, it is refreshing to see, you, you know, players putting it in and wanting it more because sometimes Rangers can be a bit passive and a bit kind of, you know, bypassed a little bit. But, you know, it, I, I guess if we're going to be frank about it, inferior squads, teams like Luton and Millwall who haven't got better players than QBR. But there's often, you know, a feeling that they've got more desire and they more want to win more than sort of, particularly the game at Kenilworth Road. Rangers were bullied in that game. So, mm. um, I mean, I do agree with you say like Brentford and, and, and Fulham as well, to a degree also. Yeah, get out to Mitrovic. A bit more physical, but, but you know, you're mixing it up the way forward. But I think if it's just going to be, you know, a, a pragmatic and style for all matches, then that, that would leave me slightly concerned long-term. You're not leaving the West London podcast as well, Ian, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going to make it as well. But, um... It's all gone downhill since I left. <laughs> <laughs> well, it started going downhill a bit before I left. No, then it went really downhill. So, so we've got me hosted now, so it's definitely gone downhill. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay, gentlemen. Well, so um, prediction for tomorrow first to you, Kevin. How do you see this one going? Well, I would at the start of this program, I said I would take a draw, but now listening to Dan saying how bad the Blackpool are, I'm still going to go for a draw. I'm going to go 1 1, and that'd be a really good point. Keeps uh, Blackpool below us and, you know, keeps the run going of not losing in two games where we couldn't win one in 20. Well, only one in 20. So I'm going to go 1 1. I think that'd be a good point. Wow, I can't believe Dan thinks we're going to score. <laughs> Kev thinks we're going to score a goal so he's more optimistic than 90% of Blackpool fans out there um, I'm I'm, I'm leaning towards a QPR win to be honest I mean our home form's alright I think it's either going to be 0-0 or 1-0 to QPR but I'll go 1-0 to QPR I think I mean I just I, I, my, my optimism for this season has just completely gone out the window I mean when Mick came in and I was you know it sort of lifts a bit and then we get a couple of good results decent results and I'm sort of Hopes go up again, and then I mean we lost three one at Reading, and that terrible game that was. Um, losing two 0 at Bristol City on the weekend and barely creating a chance. It's just I just unfortunately I know, <laughs> you know I talk about how bad Blackpool are, but I just at the point of the season, and you know you've been I'm sure you've been there as QPR fans before when you just get to the point where things are so bad, you just all your hope goes out the window. So it was last week, Dan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, you think it's bad at QPR. At least you had those two, three months under Beal where you thought, oh my God, we're going to win the league. We're going to get promoted in the Premier League. We, we haven't had, <laughs> we've not had that all season. So. I got sucked into that last season when I thought, oh, I'm <laughs> getting in the playoffs and then collapsed. And then four goalkeepers all yeah. got muscle injuries, <laughs> kicking the ball. So yeah, no, I think 1-0 QPR. I think, I do think, and that'll be massive. I think if you beat us tomorrow, I think, you know, you're safe. I mean, obviously, if if you beat Blackpool and you don't get another point, you might be in trouble. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think if you beat us and then the rest of the year, I think I think you've pretty much confirmed your safety there. So uh, and then it, it looks towards the the long term and the future. So yeah, that is my prediction. 
Mm. I am a little bit concerned about this one. I think um, backing up so quickly after a, a game where players are out on their feet, the squad is still... Um, there's a lot of players still not available for tomorrow. Um, Blackpool haven't won since once since October, I believe. I've seen this film far too many times. Um, um, sorry, I'd be negative. I think I think Blackpool might nick this. I think. Um, oh my yeah. god! I mean, I said the last I half think, an hour. Yeah, I think Blackpool, Blackpool. You would not be saying that. Trust me. Um, <laughs> I think Blackpool are going to win this uh, one nil. Um, oh my god. Yeah, well, I went for a Watford. Def- I went for a Watford win last week in QPR one, so I'm doing the old um, <laughs> yeah. psychology here. But wow. um, I think be, if Rangers can get a win up here, it'll be a really big. I think this 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 almost would be a bigger win for QPR than beating Watford Saturday. The backup from that, and like, I'm just not hundred percent that with the players out and the players that are playing that put a big shift in on Saturday, backing up so soon with Dykes. You know, he's not at the full speed. I don't know. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm, I'm I, not, I'd not be right here. about this one. Yeah, right. I hope you're right. There we go. <laughs> anyway, gents, thank you very much as ever. Thanks, Dan, for taking time out to do this for us. Much appreciated. Yeah, I hope I cheered all the QPR fans up by talking about how bad Blackpool are. You know, well, I've made it miserable. Always, so. <laughs> yeah, I always think it could be worse. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you again soon. Bye now. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.